Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the professional sports industry, and my front office resume includes titles like general manager, vice president of corporate partnerships, and director of sales. According to the Institute for Diversity and Ethics Research, less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women. We've got work to do. Why? Because a 2018 study by McKinsey found that companies with gender and or culturally diverse executive teams were 21 to 35% more likely to outperform the competition. Simply put, diverse leadership helps your bottom line. The Leadership is Female podcast is here to help. The Leadership is Female podcast is here to help. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to create visibility by interviewing successful women who work in sports to uncover opportunities and teach you the tips and mindset that will get you to the next level faster. I believe there is enough room at the table for all of us. Take your seat and join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Nancy Murphy is a status quo challenger, leadership expert, and founder and president of CSR Communications. She helps internal change leaders influence and persuade others so that they can realize their vision for change faster with less frustration and resistance. Who does not want that? In my conversation with Nancy, we cover three common types of people who are resistant to change, the what-ifers, the status quo defenders, and the yes-no folks. This segment of the conversation seriously blew my mind. It describes people and situations I have dealt with to a T. And guess what? Nancy does not just stop with the description. She tells you exactly what to do to clear these hurdles and recruit the right help to ensure your idea is successful for the business. This episode is for any leader who cannot rest on their laurels, but wants to improve themselves and their company. I'm willing to bet that is all of you. So listen in and feel better prepared to tackle this week, this year, and your career after hearing from Nancy. Let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, Nancy Murphy, status quo challenger, leadership expert, and founder and president of CSR Communications. So happy to have you with us today, Nancy. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Emily. Thanks for having me. One of the things that I've been so excited about with the Leadership is Female podcast is we've interviewed some women who are doing incredible things working in front offices in the sports industry, but I've also been able to bring on experts in leadership who can give us some new perspective because this is what they live in every day is helping people and their clients become better leaders and um, game changers in their industries. So that is why Nancy is here today. I cannot wait for her to, to share with us. So Nancy, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a little bit about your journey into being the uh, founder and president of CSR Communications? Well, I guess in addition to my title, you know, obviously I'm an entrepreneur. I also think of myself as a 
physically and emotionally strong woman in her early th- in her early 50s. I almost said early 30s. Maybe I still think of myself as being in my early 30s in my head. <laughs> I would never guess you were in your 50s. I would have said you were in your 30s. So maybe you were reading my vibes here. Awesome. I love it. Um, so I'm also uh, a daughter, a sister, a partner, and a friend. And I think it's important to share that because in today's world, women don't have to be one-dimensional as leaders anymore. So when you ask me who I am and what I do, I want to share all of my roles, not just my role as a business owner. And what I do is, is help leaders change established organizations from within in ways that make the change stick. And I think it's really easy for lots of leaders these days to proclaim change with grand gestures, but making change that sticks is not so easy. And so I work with leaders who are in those internal change agent roles to help them do that with a little bit less frustration and resistance. I cannot wait to dig in more, but before we get any further, I've I've got to say that you've spent your career saying what others are afraid to say and learning to say it in ways that others will listen. Critical conversations are one of the biggest hurdles that leaders face, and you've got to have some tips that you offer to engage in those conversations first, because first you've got to have the courage to get that conversation started. Yeah. So, you know, I started on this journey of learning to say things in ways that other will, others will listen back in Catholic school when I was an elementary girl. And so that is sort of part of my journey of how I got to where I am today. And that was where I learned what I call the Swiss army knife of change leadership, and that is empathy. And I think that word, that term is thrown around a lot these days, but when used effectively, when used appropriately, it really is the tool that can solve so many challenges for us. And so I try to show up with an understanding of others' perspectives right? Why do they hold the views they hold? What, how might I relate to their core values, to their anxieties, their dreams, their fears in a way that allows me to share my position in a way that they'll hear it, right? Because it's speaking directly to something that's important to them. And understanding the kinds of things that make change hard, the kind of psychological triggers that even those of us who say we love change and we embrace change, I guarantee you, none of us embraces change in all areas of our lives all the time, right? So remembering that there are times when change is scary to us as well. And so trying to understand what might be causing someone to resist what it is I'm I'm asking of them or sharing with them. And then finally, one of the tips I share with leaders all the time is instead of starting with, here's what I need you to do, I need you to work differently, I need you to think differently, I need you to step up, I need you to, you know, whatever those things are, start with how can I help you get what you need? And in doing so, I will get what I need. And you may not show up and ask that question exactly, right? But if you really start with empathy, if you listen really carefully and really closely, 
they will tell you what matters to them. And in helping them get that need met, inevitably you will get what you need. So what I heard you say here is that empathy is the Swiss army knife of these conversations and really being open to and asking those questions and sort of getting on the same playing field as the person that you're having this critical conversation with is what's going to not only help you get your point across, but have it heard and have a pathway to move forward. I want to restate that for everyone. That's what I heard. Nancy, am I on the right track? Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely, Emily. Yep. You've summarized it perfectly. Awesome. So I love those tips so much. And the other, the other thing that we were chatting about before we hit record here today was this term of entrepreneurship. And it's a term that I'm hearing a lot these days, women who don't want to leave their organizations, but find a new path within oftentimes spinning off new revenue streams. So let's start with the definition. What is entrepreneurship and how is it different from entrepreneurship? So intrapreneurs are leaders who change established organizations from within. They bring that entrepreneurial spirit, that innovation, that kind of disruptive mindset and style, but they're not going to change their industry or, or the system from the outside, which is valuable. We need people who are entrepreneurs But what if we could get these large established organizations to change faster, to be more equitable, more sustainable, more innovative, more inclusive? Well, won't we get the change we want in the world faster? So these are really the unsung heroes, in my opinion, who choose the small strategic sustained action inside established organizations to move them from box checker to game changer. How do we support our entrepreneurs? If these are the unsung heroes of the organization, how do we give them better support to keep doing that great work? Well, first of all, I think sometimes these entrepreneurs can be at the top of the organization. (laughs) So is it the boards who are supporting them in that instance? Is it helping them find support, you know, one of the things I think the mistakes I think entrepreneurs make too often is going it alone. So even if you're at the top of the organization, how do you find a network of fellow entrepreneurs who can offer you insight and support outside your organization and then build that kind of circle of change champions to help carry the burden inside the organization? So helping entrepreneurs you know, sort of find their (laughs) like-minded disruptors, I think is one thing we can do to support them. The second thing is helping them understand that resistance isn't all bad. So sometimes what entrepreneurs will do is, you know, we get our idea, our vision for change, our Um, brilliant streak of brilliance for this new revenue stream or new product line. And we have been thinking about it and mulling it over for so long that we're so in love with it and we don't see any of the downsides of it, right? And then we just sort of march right in and proclaim it to people. And when we get some questions or some confused looks because we've been thinking about it for six months and somebody else just heard it for the first time, well, we get really defensive or we shut down, or we 
um, label everyone else as, you know, change resistant or sticks in the mud or, you know, and instead, how do we coach these entrepreneurs to see resistance as a positive, as something that makes our ideas stronger, that illuminates blind spots we might have? And how do we become curious in those moments rather than defensive? So I think those are, you know, some coaching, some support, some connection with other change champions can be important ways to support entrepreneurs. So I love when a common theme arises. I I feel like I'm always bulleting. I'm writing as we're talking, you know, taking down all these notes. And one of the things that you said was, in, in, in a way, um, I think you used a little bit different terminology, but finding entrepreneurs to find their sort of in their board of directors, their, the people that they can, not a singular mentor, but, a, a, a group of people who can bounce ideas off of and, and support them. And you said not within an organization. And that's a conversation that I've had recently is don't let your board of directors exist only within the company for which you currently work or your mindset or your scope could be way too narrow. And so I was excited to hear you sort of from your professional standpoint, reiterate that point. And I hope the listeners heard that, like think about mentorship, not as a singular person, but as a board of directors. And then not only within the current organization with which you are working, uh, because that's, probably not going to help you grow as much as you might be looking to. Well, and you know, to that point, Emily, I'm going to give a little plug for your latest venture, I think is the pro assembly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when you were just describing it, I was thinking of what I've learned about that network, right? So you have people who are trying to change the organizations, the companies, the groups that they're part of. And now they're part of this network where they can get some of that insight. They can maybe have somebody in a safer space, hold up a mirror to them and see where they can improve and model maybe different behavior that would help them be more effective inside their organization. So I think absolutely, you know, we need both, right? We need those people who understand our exact context and who can help carry the burden. And we need that sometimes different perspective to help us see things in ways we just can't if it's just inside our organization. Yeah. And it's such a great point because I was going to say, how does an entrepreneur build that board of directors? Where are some places they can look? And you gave a great highlight that's really specific to the sports industry. You know, the primary listeners of this podcast, the Pro Sports Assembly, and there are also tons of other networking groups out there. Find ones that you like, you know, visit their websites, read the bios, see where you want to get involved and join. Um, that's going to help you to, to get a greater uh, vision, a greater scope outside of maybe your specific team or your community. It's going to help to broaden your horizons. Absolutely. So what can leaders do to overcome resistance to change? You did touch on that resistance is not always a bad thing. So let's say you sort of clear that hurdle. You know, the idea is going to move forward, but you've got people within the organization that are sort of digging their heels in with, um, with not really being on board for that change. What do you do? 
Yeah. So definitely universally, the very first thing you can do, you mentioned it already is the, you know, get curious, not furious. So resistance, flip your mindset around resistance. Number one, then there are, I've identified three common types of resistance to change. So I'll give you the quick snapshot for each and then one thing that you can do if this is the type of resistance you've, you sense you're facing. So the first are the what ifers. <laughs> We've all seen these folks in our organizations. They're likely the general counsel, sometimes the CFO, the risk manager, right? Their job is to think of all the awful things that can go wrong and prevent them from happening. And I think these are for people like me who tend to be overly optimistic about how the change is going to turn out. I need the what ifers as part of my change leadership team. So these are the folks who are, you know, well, what if we launch this new revenue stream and it bankrupts us? What if we try this new product line and half our sponsors walk out the door? What if we change whatever and we all, all of the employees leave, right? They dream up those worst case scenarios. So what we can do to overcome that type of resistance is play to their strength. We need someone illuminating those blind spots. We need someone who will not have us unnecessarily put the organization at risk. So invite them to do scenario planning, to go to those deepest, darkest places of the worst thing that could possibly happen and ask them, okay, how likely is it that that could happen? Maybe it's, I don't know, 50% likely. Okay, what would we do if it did? What could we put in place now to make that less than 50%? So that's the first type of resistance to change. The second common type are the status quo defenders. So you introduced me as a status quo challenger. Well, my opposite side of that coin is the status quo defender. These are the folks who you'll hear say, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? <laughs> or um, they, they don't, they, they've maybe fallen so in love with the way things are because perhaps they were the ones that created the current system, the current product line, the current process. Maybe they're, you know, the ones who founded the organization. So their identity is tied really closely to the status quo. So we want to be careful that when we're proposing change, that we're saying, you know, things are pretty good, but gosh, they could be even better. Or we got to be careful because times are changing fast. And if we don't change too, we might become irrelevant. So you can overcome that type of resistance by inviting them to identify with really clear criteria or parameters, what are the things about the status quo that we want to preserve and protect as we move forward? So allow them to, you know, find the pieces that are still serving the organization and your customers and, and employees well. And then the third type of resistance to change are the yes, no folks, right? These are the ones who sit in our office or in the team meeting and they shake their head. Yes, they're all on board. They're happy to do what it is you're asking them to do. They walk out the door and they do the complete opposite. 
And there are actually four subtypes to this. I, I won't go into all of them, but basically you want to distinguish, you want to try to suss out, is that resistance due to a lack of will or a lack of way? So do they say one thing and do another because they, they really don't want to? So they're uh, a staller. You know, they're just going to, they've, they've been there long before you arrived. They're going to be there long after you leave. You're either going to get frustrated and give up on this crazy idea or walk out the door entirely. So they're just going to wait you out. Or is it a lack of way? In which case, you know, maybe they really want to do what you want them to do, but they don't have the skills, you know, they weren't trained to do that. And you're, you know, putting them in charge of a, a whole new way of, uh, of delivering your service or a whole new product line or revenue stream. So if that's the case, then you want to make it safe for them to identify that, to speak up, right? And then to give them the training and the skills and the opportunity to learn. If they're a staller and they're just trying to wait you out, you got to have clear consequences for not getting on board. Nancy, I'm so happy I put myself on mute to fully listen to your explanation because I was like ready to jump out of my chair at each of the three common types of resistors to change. And I can think of examples, as I'm sure all of our listeners can within their organizations. Um, I, I got to start with number one, the what ifers. Yeah. I, that was, that is a role in, in organizations that I work for that I've had the the most challenging time with because I'm often an entrepreneur. I, I like to challenge, um, why are we doing that? Can you show me the data? Um, are there better solutions? And the what ifers um, were, are my first hurdle. And yeah. oftentimes you're so spot on, it's the CFO. And I initially was like, what do you mean? This is a great idea. How could you challenge my idea until I learned to do exactly what you described mm -hmm. and to, okay, let's investigate this a little bit more. We, we shouldn't be off to the races with every idea that I have from the get-go and, you know, do your magic with, with your spreadsheets and your analysis and like, let's talk through this together. And for the person who has the idea, this is a this can be an, a fantastic tool for you to bring forward in your proof of concept. And so embrace those what ifers um, wholeheartedly because they can actually turn out to be your biggest ally and advocate for the project because they're, they're going to be really interested in, in giving you all the data to back up why your idea um, will or won't work. Um, so what a, what a phenomenal, um, analysis that you've got there. I love that you've, you've shared that. And so for the people on, on the other side, those that are ready to lead change, how does somebody know if they're ready to be a change leader within their organization? Well, I think for women in particular, we rarely think we're ready, right? It's a little bit of that that confidence issue. We might be waiting for someone to invite us to lead change. So I think some clues are, you know, first of all, if this is something that you have a clear vision for and you just can't shake it, right? Like you can see the opportunity where others only see challenges and you just can't shake it. That's a good sign that maybe there's something there, there, and you want to start 
you know, maybe vetting it a little bit with your external entrepreneur network and, and see um, if it definitely has legs. I think then if we're, if we're able to show up with humility, because you heard those three types of resistance to change, right? There are massive psychological triggers going on on the other side of our brilliant ideas that if we fall too in love with our own idea and we're not willing to hear and see where we might be a little off base or open to tweaking that or think that we've got the answer <laughs> and we're just gonna push really hard until everyone gets on board, well, I think that's going to be problematic. So, you know, being able to approach the change leadership from a place of humility. Secondly, if you can embrace that openness and curiosity and really show up that way, that's tied to the humility. And then this isn't without risk, right? So again, even if you're at the top of the organization, you're going to have shareholders, you're going to have a board. So, are you okay or okay enough with sticking your neck out because it might get cut off? So there's a little bit of that, how courageous can I be and how much is this change opportunity calling me to be courageous? And courage is a theme that's come up a lot in the podcast with women who have been able to level up and get to that next level of their career courage has been one of the pieces that they've identified when, when they were able to be more courageous, when they were able to be more fearless and go after what they wanted, that's when they reached their next level. Do you have any advice for sort of bolstering your courage from within so that you can really show up as the person that you want to within your workplace? Well, I Definitely think from my own experience, there's almost no other way to build confidence and to boost our courage except doing it. <laughs> so I don't, I don't always love the word fearless because I think it creates this image that we get the confidence first and then we go. And in my experience anyway, that almost never happens. And so I think being willing to try it and have that, I don't know, I call it the experimenter's mindset, right? Being willing to just try things out, to do it once imperfectly and have the very first question to yourself be super cool. What did I learn from that? Not what did I accomplish? What was the result, right? But what did I learn from that? And then adapt and try it again. So I definitely think the courage is, um, comes from doing it. And secondly, you know, I grew up the oldest of four girls and we were, we're all pretty close in age. And so we were very competitive for friends, you know, for starting roles on sports teams and all of that when we were kids. Only later in life did we become each other's biggest cheerleaders but I am so fortunate outside of my sisters to have an amazing network of strong women who lift each other up. And so I think finding, you know, those girlfriends, those colleagues, those mentors who will, if you, if you step out there and fall flat on your face, they're going to be the first one to pick you up 
to help you laugh about it and to help you jump out there again. So look for, you know, comes back to that network again, but look for those strong women, I think, um, peers, you know, network to help you build your courage. It's so true. Having that network, that rally of women around you um, is crucial to building your courage and, and helping you get to that next level. Because sometimes when we do mess up, when we're asking ourselves that question of what did I learn, you sort of have to phone a friend. Like sometimes you've got to phone a friend. And uh, if you can, they're going to help you through that, that instance and they're going to cheer for you and, and support you in the ways that, that you need it. And um, I think that's, that's absolutely a great point. And so Nancy, it leads me to a more personal question for you. What's been the biggest hurdle in your career and how did you get through it? I think early on in my career, realizing that the behaviors and mindsets that were ingrained in me as a Catholic schoolgirl did not serve me well in the workplace. So it was very hard for me when I, and I grew up in the Midwest, you know, there was a lot of the wait your turn, wait to be asked, you don't interrupt people. Authority and titles and roles were very important, you know, the hierarchy. And then I come to Washington, D.C., you know, the center of power that with all of these men from the Northeast who never took a breath, it seemed like. So there was never an opportunity for me to engage, you know, to interject in a conversation in the workplace. So I remember very clearly, you know, having these conversations with myself about how do I show up in a way that still feels authentic to me and my values, but allows me to sort of own some space, to claim some space in the workplace. And that was not an easy thing for me to wrap my head around. You guys, we have a new website, leadershipisfemale.com. Please visit us and know that we are here to help get you to the top faster. Are you a career female looking for an edge? Are you looking for answers on how you can level up? Our purpose is to bring interviews with female leaders in sports each week through this podcast, Leadership is Female, so you can uncover opportunities, hear tips to elevate your career, learn from our mistakes and successes so that you can get to the top faster. We're giving you all the advice we know now that we wish we knew then. We're extending a hand back to lead you forward. Let's go visit leadershipisfemale.com, join our newsletter, check out all the episodes of the podcast and stay tuned for more resources to lead you forward. Leadershipisfemale.com. Throughout this season of Leadership is Female, I've talked with several founders of the Pro Sports Assembly. I'm glad to become a founder too and invite you to join us at prosportsassembly.com. We are the Association for People Who Work in Professional Sports. Our core purpose is the advancement of diverse and inclusive leadership. From finance to innovation, operations and sales to social responsibility, 
marketing, human resources, and analytics, the assembly aims to ensure pro sports has a diverse and talented pipeline to lead these efforts and more. Visit prosportsassembly.com to learn more. I'm over here nodding as a Midwestern born and raised those uh, ideas, those stereotypes um, of women perpetuated through what you've learned as a child are incredibly hard to shake as an adult. And I think, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I've got this podcast leadership is female, because for me, it's great to hear just personally from the women that I get the chance to interview the things we've got in common and how we're working to build a greater workplace and environment for women, you know, one action at a time, being leaderful as individuals, taking our space, claiming our space. And I think we started behind, behind the start line. Like I think the men, they got, they got to start at, at the start line. We were hundred meters back, you know, before the gun went off to start the race and a lot of it, I think, goes back to the way that we're raised and the things that we're told. I've got this great book. It's one of the best books that I've read in, in my career and starting in my career. And it's um, Play Like a Man, Win Like a Woman. Mm. And it goes one stereotype at a time, like debunking the way that a woman should act within the workplace. And one of the ones that I remember the most clearly is that you should not bake for your coworkers. And I remember as starting out as an employee being like, oh, I should bring in, you know, cookies for all my employees. And yes, that is a nice thing to do. However, you are not their mom and you're not going to win over uh, all of your comrades with, with baked goods. You can think of some other ways to do that, that work outside of those stereotypes of what a woman should do. And I just remember reading that and thinking like, this feels like such an epiphany for me. Mm. And it's not the baked goods specifically, it's the behavior set. Yes. Yes. Spot on. Now I got to get that book. <laughs> yeah. I I've recommended it to so many people and some of the things are hard to read, but it, but it really, it forces you to think a little bit differently about your behaviors in the office and what might be expected of you. Because I think most women have been asked to, um, you know, provide coffee for a meeting or, um, stop to pick something up or, um, made assumptions about their role when they've been around the table and, um, breaking down those stereotypes, just one action at a time is important because it cascades to the rest of us in the workplace. Absolutely. Or organize the monthly birthday celebrations. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So before we get to the final four questions, um, Nancy, you've been so great in, in giving me all these pages of notes today. I wanted to go back to what you said in the beginning, um, change from within that makes the change stick is your, just what you do, how you work with companies is there an example that you can give to us? Um, you don't have to name names, but just, just an example of, of action that was taken to create change in an organization and how that stuck. Well, I'll talk about one of the biggest things I think gets in the way 
of change. And I'll do that through an example. And so one of the things I teach all the time is that leaders of change need to be more like Indiana Jones. So they need to go on a quest or an archaeological dig for what I call artifacts. All those little things we leave behind that tell us who and what we value, what matters, and how things really get done around here, and that are often in conflict with the change we want. So you just gave some great examples of artifacts, you know, the women being asked to bring coffee to the meeting, the roles that they're assumed to play in a certain uh, setting. So we recently worked with a global nonprofit organization that was struggling to retain women leaders. And they had started a mentoring program and appointed a gender council, right? These things sound familiar. Not bad in and of themselves, but they weren't working. And then we used our proprietary site survey and excavation process to identify some artifacts that were in conflict with that goal. For example, standing 7.30 a.m. leadership meetings and shout outs at the start of staff meetings that all sounded something like, huge thanks to Tom and his entire team for working around the clock last week to submit that big proposal. So the best part about that, fixing those things didn't cost a dime or require any you know, special authority or permission. So I think that's a perfect example of these seemingly insignificant signals <laughs> that really get in the way because they tell people, you say you've proclaimed this change, right? But then there are all these little things that tell me the opposite is true. So now I either don't believe you, I don't trust you anymore, or you're making this really, really hard for me to do what it is you want me to do. So how does someone find those artifacts? Because oftentimes you don't see what's right under your nose. So what does this process look like of discovery? So absolutely, that's the biggest challenge, right? So this is where having that outside perspective can be helpful. So for example, we offer a complimentary site survey that people can find on our website where together we'll map where the richest areas to go dig for the artifacts likely stalling your change are. So based on whatever the changes that you're leading, you know, we can tell you the most likely places to find those relics that are, you know, the most toxic, if you will, or going to that network of outside folks who might be change agents in their own organizations who can look at what you're doing and ask a few insightful strategic questions, right, to maybe help you see things differently. Because we oftentimes can't see the things that are right in front of us. And we might walk over those artifacts every day and not realize what's right under our feet. Yeah, such a great point. Nancy, tell us your website and I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. It's csrcommunications.com. So for everyone here who's looking to excavate those artifacts, to find those within their organization, check out Nancy's website. Um, I'm sure that you've heard 
more than one um, great piece of advice in this episode today. And uh, so visit Nancy's website and, and use some of the tools that she is providing to us. So it's come the time where we do the final four questions. And these don't have to be one word answers, um, but I want to make sure and ask every guest on the show these four, some fun, some a little deep. First one is the best piece of advice that you can give to women today in order for them to level up tomorrow. So I have a little saying that I have to be naturally Nancy. So my piece of advice is certainly for women, uh, maybe not who are early in their careers now, but it used to be that the male version of leadership was the only picture we ever got right? The only description we ever got. And that didn't feel authentic for me. And so trying to wear those clothes just didn't work. So now my mantra is, if I can't do something as naturally me, then I don't want to do it. So don't try. If, if the male version of leadership feels authentically you and those clothes fit, go for it. But if it doesn't work for you, don't try to fit yourself into that mold. Just be your naturally wonderful self. Make it easy on yourself and just be you. Exactly. I love that. Fun one here. Your favorite place to travel and one place you'd like to visit. So I actually don't have a favorite place. I love to explore new places. So, but the place I, the criteria I always use as sort of a default, if I'm choosing between one place or another is anywhere on the water where I get to see the water, be on the water, be near the water. So what's the next place on your list that you're going to be near the water? Oh, the next place I'm well, it might just be down the road on along the Potomac river on a trail running. So <laughs> that's there we go. The, the next place. And then oddly, I do have plans to take my niece to Morocco next year for her college graduation where we will be in the desert. So, <laughs> but that's where she wants to go. So, oh, sounds amazing. And so interesting. So you got to post some photos so we can see what you're doing uh, when you're in Morocco. What is the song that you are playing on repeat right now? Well, every year for the last five or six years, I choose a word of the year that I use to sort of guide me through the year. And this year, my word is shine. And the song that I have like last week was sort of nonstop on repeat (laughs) was um, shine by uh, Laura Isabor from Ireland. And it's a fabulous, upbeat, great to dance to song. I highly recommend it. All right. I'm going to find a link to that and send it out in the next newsletter. So make sure you're subscribed. Okay. Final question. What is your favorite quote? So I don't know if it's my favorite because I tend to grab onto quotes that I need at whatever point in time or phase I'm in, but this one, and I don't even know who it's by. I first discovered it when I was in college, which is many years ago, and I keep refinding it on little pieces of paper in my house just at the moment I need it. It's, um, so you plant your own garden rather than waiting for someone to bring you flowers. Beautiful. And I, 
just take a second to think about that. Let that sit, sink in. We talk about those themes all the time um, on this show. You got to be your own biggest advocate. You got you to gotta do it for yourself and not wait for somebody else to do it for you. So Nancy, I can't thank you enough for being a guest today on Leadership is Female. You have provided so much insight for us as leaders and as future leaders on how to create change within an organization and the value of each individual within our companies and what those bring to change leaders. So thank you so much for your time. Where can we keep in touch? Definitely our website, csrcommunications.com. If you do forward slash weekly, you'll get our ingenious weekly actionable gem for influential entrepreneurs. And please connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm very active there and would love to engage with folks. Thank you so much, Nancy. We appreciate you. Thank you. Let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, what is an intrapreneur? someone who brings a disruptive mindset and style to their organization. The goal is faster changes that are small and strategic. These entrepreneurs are the unsung heroes of organizations. Number two, how do we coach to see resistance as a positive thing? Get curious, not furious. Number three, empathy is the Swiss army knife of leadership. And number four, when dealing with a status quo defender or likely someone in your organization who subscribes to the age-old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, invite them to identify what are the things about status quo that we want to preserve. Hey leaders, if you want to be in for a treat, definitely subscribe to the show if you have not done so already, because we have so many amazing episodes coming up. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen so you don't miss out. And if you leave us a review or post about me or tag Leadership is Female on your Instagram stories to talk about the show, we'll enter you into a giveaway. We're giving away something every single month. Some of my favorite things from my favorite work bag to my favorite sunglasses. Make sure that you spread the word and we will reward you for that. I'll also send you a personal thank you note and repost your comments and reviews. Last thing, did this episode bring you any insights, ideas, aha moments, anything you are inspired by? If so, take one second and share the link, post about it on your Instagram, text your friend, email, so many ways to share leadership is female. And if you do post about this show, again, don't forget to tag at Leadership is Female or at Emily Jansen or my awesome guest today, because knowing that this conversation made a difference for you means the world to us and we love to see it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. 
This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.